Welcome to the CRA Resource Show. CRA Resources is a unique recruitment agency with the single focus of providing CRA staffing for clinical studies across North America. My name is Becky Clark and I'm Operations Manager at CRA Resources. Today we're sitting down with Angela Roberts, Head of Recruiting and special guest Elizabeth Weeks Rowe. Elizabeth is an independent clinical research consultant providing training, content creation, writing, and clinical operations consulting services. She's also a writer and speaker in our industry, and we'll be continuing our discussion about public speaking in clinical research, this time with an emphasis on how to keep your audience engaged. So make sure to visit CRAResources.com blog to catch up on our latest blog posts. You can also sign up there to get this content delivered to your inbox. So I'll turn it over to Elizabeth and she can give us some more detail on our topic today. Thank Thanks you so much, us. Becky. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Thank you. How not to engage is to interrupt your audience. That's how you don't engage. So we'll start with that. I'm just teasing you. That's um, my fault. I love speaking on this topic and I love speaking with you guys. It's always so much fun. Um, and I love it that Angela has such unique experience in public speaking of her own merits in a different industry. And she brings that together to us. So this will be great. You know, I was thinking about, I always like when I'm presenting and speaking, I like to, if appropriate, put a pop culture fun fact in there, right? And I once did a, a public speaking training and presentation at ACRP, and it had to do with engaging your audience and keeping your audience. And I referenced a movie that we all love, or most of us, Jerry Maguire, and that famous phrase, you had me at hello. Oh, I was so thinking about show me the money, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's another That's another podcast, Angela. <laughs> Sorry um, to interrupt. <laughs> is Cuba available? I'm just kidding. So um, I, 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 and I equate that to catching and keeping your audience. You had me at hello. It's not enough. It's like writing an article. Opening Opening paragraph needs to catch, but you need to keep them engaged. And to be realistic, you can't keep every single person engaged every part of the time because then you wouldn't speak to any content almost at all. And I think the audience members need to have a reasonable expectation of that. I also think that there are little things that can be done throughout a presentation that are organic and not scripted. And that also will catch and keep your audience. Um, a little bit of what we're doing right now, right? Yeah. And it speaks to knowing your content enough to where you can stay on track, but kind of go off a little bit. And it also has to do with the comfort level of the speaker. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because there are those of us, I think Angela, maybe you don't like to perform, but you speak and present as if you do, or you're comfortable <laughs> with it. I'm, I'm very transparent. I like to perform. I like to speak and socialize and learn and be interactive. So speaking, I think for us, and Becky, you do a great um, intro. You're very poised, but I don't know you. I haven't engaged in you in this manner, so I don't want to make an assumption about you. Well, I um, actually have a master's degree in vocal performance, classical music. So I think it's safe oh. to say that I am a performer <laughs> mindset. <laughs> well, I So totally you were right on. We can, <laughs> you seem like it, but you know, I don't want to make a... a premature assumption. So all of us have the tools of being comfortable, speaking to people, meeting strangers. We we are extra, extroverts in this capacity. 
Right. I know a lot of people who have to speak and who are super introverted and shy and hate it. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is I'm trying, I've tried to come up with tips that will appeal to not only for those of us whose public speaking is kind of easier, but for those who are uncomfortable with it to help engage your audience to some degree. Um, The first thing I want to say is if possible, and Angela, please chime in because I don't want to make this just to do, to do, to do. Um, <laughs> I like to, if, if a possible, do research, a little bit of research ahead, if I can, on the attendees. I agree. If I'm speaking to a site, do a little bit of background on the PI because you can use that as a commonality. Open them up. Um, if I'm training, I will be given the information ahead of time on the level of the people in training, whether they're CRA ones, whether they're people who are brand new to clinical research or who are managers and directors. You're going to you'll kind of adjust. You might give more information to the people who are novices versus experience. And that has to do with retaining because you cannot tell a bunch of directors who you're training on study startup about how clinical research started <laughs> doesn't resonate. You will bore them. You will lose them. Yeah, they'll fall asleep. I don't asleep, know, Angela, in your, in your immense background, what do you think about this? And have you done this before? Have you had the opportunity to do this before? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the interesting thing is, is depending on how charged now of course you know we could talk about SIVs and those should never be charged but you know you could talk about other situations to where you're going in to present or there's a problem and you're trying to work an escalation and you have a an audience that's scheduled or what have you I think it's critically important to know the attendees of the audience what their roles um, if you can find out anything about them if they're posting on LinkedIn what they're passionate about all of those types of things because in any type of public speaking situations you want to be able to bridge a relationship or at least feel some type of a connection they need to connect with you they don't necessarily it's 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 better if they like you but let's face it we don't all get to win homecoming queen awards right but but it is really (laughs) important to know where they start because a good public speaker can address all of the varied roles in one topic and now that doesn't necessarily mean and, and correct me if I'm wrong but the way I also do it is you know depending on if it's a if it's just like a hard presentation or if it's a discussion but you know you could pick out your seniors and say hey Elizabeth I know you've had to deal with this how did you handle a situation where the SAE wasn't reported and blah 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 and then you get to explain it your way because you're going to explain it differently than I'm going to explain it and the people in the audience who've never experienced it might understand your experience and the way you elaborate versus mine and I think being able to leverage that back and forth makes it a lot more compelling plus the people in the office are are now afraid you're going to call on them so they're going to be paying more You know, that is such a brilliant point, and it speaks to um, a tactic that is great, Um, especially like I'll use it as an example of um, more than once I've had to present protocols to either during a pre-study visit to either the investigator who helped author the protocol. Now, that's funny. Or key opinion leaders, what have you. And opening up by saying, I know you're an expert. I've done my research and I respect and appreciate you giving me your time. Um, There are certain things that I have to review and thank you for understanding and appreciating 
again, which I know that, you know, you're an expert on. I've, I've, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't kind of relax a little and be more oh. open instead of being indignant, which I can kind of understand. Sure. On the other hand, we all have to do a job and they know that. So, you know, you have to be the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest thing ever was I went to a very prominent university in California. I won't say the name. And I was presenting on a blood cancer and I noticed the protocol referenced the PI's name as an author of the original author of one of the like assessments to show um, response criteria. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So it was not only a super <laughs> prestigious university, but it was a guy who was like one of the pioneers of this assessment criteria. And I'm like, OK, great. So. Um, I, I mentioned it to him. He was super humble, the nicest guy in the world, but that helped and it it kept him relatively speaking. Um, so it's always neat to do that. And also calling upon people who have that experience involve them. And if they're really, really intelligent, they might be teachers or academics and they like to speak and present. So it's kind of like using those tools for your benefit, which is really for everyone's benefit. I agree. So what you said was genius. Um, (laughs) Something that, you know, we're all smiling and happy, but I don't know if you've had this experience where I I wasn't presenting and I've crashed and burned, trust me, but I wasn't presenting at this initiation visit. It was a while back and I was doing an evaluation of the CRA because I used to do that. And I've done that periodically in my old lady career there where I've done CRA evaluations and trainings and signs off. <laughs> and um, the CRA, it was a, it was a remote initiation visit um, video conferencing platform. And the CRA did not read the room at all. She absolutely did not read the room. The PI was on video. Everybody was on video. Well, no, the PI was on video. The coordinators were not, but she should have paid attention to the PI and I'm not judging, but she read every bullet, every slide, every, I mean, I've never seen anybody read every bullet, every slide, every word verbatim, like literally. And the PI who started out very affable was getting aggravated, of course. not rude. He was very professional, but you could see that he was yawning and moving around and it, read the room and know your audience. You're not going to please everybody. But if you are losing the room, which you should be aware of, and this year, I think she was super nervous. And I I understand that I've been there, but she did not read the room at all. And she was losing people. And if you read the room and, and check the temperature, you can't please everybody, but you might be able to adjust or pause, take a break, mm-hmm. five minute break. Um, or, you know, hey, guys, uh, quick question. How many people have done this? Oh, this is what's going on related to this, blah, blah, blah. Ask yep. questions. That's um, it right there. Yeah. Ask questions. Read the room. Take the temperature of the room because you can save parts of a presentation, if not an entire presentation. I agree. Um, first and, time and you real- do something. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to jump in there because a really good way to do it for any of you guys that are getting ready to speak and it is, especially if you're a novice speaker or you're extremely nervous, it is it is always, it's your go-to to go read the slides. Don't do that. 
never, 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 never do that. Get practice in your home walking around the room, because if you're walking around the room, if you can't, if the room allows you to do that or, you know, walk around the room because then people have to stay focused on you as you walk and then you can touch and you can see and you can feel the energy of the individuals and just your movement will keep you more dynamic which means that you're now not reading the slides you're talking to the points which is the point of a presentation exactly and that, that necessitates you're, you're, oh yeah i just had a thought to, say, to piggyback please join in. <laughs> <laughs> to piggyback off of angela's thought absolutely and you need this goes back to your point earlier elizabeth you absolutely have to be the expert of mm -hmm. your information and if you're not then you're not going to be able to detach from your slides i mean there's a nervous component but then there's also a oh what am i going to say next you know i want to make sure i don't miss mm -hmm. points and things and learning how to be the expert of your information so you can present it in a way where you can detach from your slides and then agree. keep keep their attention as well. I agree. I agree with you almost completely. You make a wonderful point. It's difficult as a CRA in clinical research because there are situations where you are not going to be an expert of your information. Absolutely mm, not. Sure. And I and I'm not saying you're not right, Becky, because your point is awesome and important. However, I, I do a mix, I'll be honest with you. I know my information, I know my pronunciations, I know my protocol, but there are times when I have to read slides verbatim. Mm -hmm. Not always, oh, but sure. there are. Mm -hmm. and, and, but the mistake is, and you, this is where your point is so important, the mistake is people who rely on it the whole time. Right. Um, mm -hmm. There are some things, even, even if I've read the protocol, and read the slides a million times and had training. If it's new to me, I'm still gonna, there's a slide where I'm like, oh, I don't have to read that verbatim. But then there's a slide where I have to read the bullets, but I don't read every one. And mm -hmm. I read maybe part of the bullet verbatim, or I can change the words, but it's not verbatim. So I kind of, my, yes. me and maybe, maybe it's mm -hmm. not great, but I'm kind of a mixed bag because like, I was going to be presenting on device. I've only done a one device study in my entire life. And it was when I was brand new CRA and I was only on the study for three months. I am not an expert in device. I can read bullets and slides and know a little bit, but I'm not going to fake that I am either. And you're not saying that, but I'm just saying, so I think in some situations it's, it's required. You just do the best you can. But yeah, absolutely. And yeah, then knowing and when agree. to condense is definitely yes. important. Mm, knowing when yes. to condense, knowing when to read verbatim, knowing when you can detach and, you know, own that and then coming back to it. And that'll vary the um, interaction, I think, which also helps grab the audience's attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. But your point is very, very important. And I think the more you another thing that I've I do kind of the mixed bag thing again is. I rehearse, but I also, and it's almost more successful for me personally, I just read the slides over and over. Because with that, that's almost more effective for me than rehearsing. Because if I know the information on the slides so well, it helps me be more natural. But I do think rehearsing components is critical. I mean, I agree with you, Angela. Walk around the house. Do it in front of the mirror. Video yourself. 
I mean, Record those yourself. things all help. Yeah, yeah. Recording yourself um, is key, whether it's a video or just or just speaking, whenever I was preparing to speak for the ACRP, I recorded myself over and over and over again and then listened to it. And then you start recognizing that you have a tick or that you do this or you smack your lips or you do whatever. And you're like, okay, stop doing that. But that that is a very key point as well. It helps with your confidence. Even if you don't change that much about how you present, if your confidence is improved because you know you sound like you know what you're talking about, then it's a huge boost, isn't it? Disclaimer, we are not promoting fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, we are a little bit, but not really. Um, I think your point is awesome and well taken, Angela. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, we kind of touched on, just a couple things I would like to say. Um, you can you periodically ask people, do you have questions? Not too often because that gets annoying. I've been in situations during presentations where literally every slide the person said, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? And I was just like, oh, please stop asking that. Um, periodically, it's very, very important. Most people, if they have a question, unless it's a forum where they've said questions will be at the end. Right. Um, most people are going to let, especially in clinical research, you're going to know if there's a question. Some people are going to ask so many questions that it interrupts the flow and you have to know how to manage that. That's true. And managing people and managing expectations and managing your time flow. When I, you know, like I was going to say, there's something going on on LinkedIn right now that has to do with the first time you do something. The first time you do a presentation, the first time you do something this way, that way, you're probably going to fail or not fail, but you're, the first time's like your practice for all the rest. Mm -hmm. So prepare, do your best, but don't expect to be perfect. And I think that's super important, but stopping, breathing, asking questions, that's going to bring people back in. Um, Can I piggyback on that? You don't have to be perfect thing. Yes. I tell, I tell my team this, especially my recruiters, whenever they're first going through training and they get so nervous and or or they're leaving a lot of cold calls and they get so nervous and I'm like you know what make a mistake and then don't take yourself so seriously that it flusters you laugh at yourself show that you're human and people are going to fall in love with you right and and you know to to your point a lot of times this information that's on the deck they they have to present it, but they might not understand it all the way to the extent, obviously, that, you know, whoever wrote the protocol or whatever. But if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. You laugh about it and and you 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 show your human side and you don't take yourself so seriously that you become defensive or that you get flustered or, you, you know, that type of thing as well. No, I agree with you. And, you know, I it's easy enough to speak and preach what you say you shouldn't do something and you do it. I, I'm a victim of that myself. I don't know if you are, Becky, or if you are like, I I want to do a great job if I'm not, if I don't present wonderfully, I it devastates me. But it's also a good lesson. Um, and I'm learning that you can't please everybody. Right. You have to do your best for your client, project, preparation, but you can't please everybody. And I need to practice what I preach and I'm trying, but I don't know if I'm ever going to fully 
have the light bulb go off about that. It's a continuing <laughs> journey. And speaking in public speaking is for some people also. Yeah. Absolutely. Just to piggyback off of that, for yeah, sure. It's a live performance. I mean, if you think about it, you know, don't think about it as a performance in the sense that that makes you nervous, that you're performing, but it is live. It's a it's a once and done in most cases. So just know that it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you're going to get up there, you're going to do your best. And that's all you can ask of yourself. And, you know, it will be over, there will be an end. <laughs> if, it, if you think it's going terribly or whatnot, you know, there will be an end and then you just shake that one off and then you prepare for the next one and you learn from that live experience uh it's different than recording in advance so you know give yourself that grace for sure i always feel like the first time and sometimes like at a presenting at acrp like you said angela sometimes you don't get more than that time so you really do want to do your best however what's easier is when you create the material the creation of the material of the presentation is the first indoctrination to it. So it's hard to mess up your own material. Um, and it makes it much easier. Maybe I'm lazy, but when I'm presenting, I always try to be the one creating the material. Not always, because I shouldn't say lazy. I know I'm going to do a good job if it's something that comes from me. You're more intimate um, and knowledgeable. For someone about else, the flow. I obviously. Yes, yes. Um, obviously for someone else, um, I'm going to prepare and, you know, do a good job, but, um, back on track, kind of the, another way I like to engage, I'm not saying you have to be Pollyanna and over complimenting. I've done this before too, is too much. You want people to be happy and enjoy themselves, even with dry material, start with something positive and inspirational and with something positive and inspirational compliment but not overly i learned that and then um if you can be funny be funny uh you're you know you have to be careful and avoid avoid negative controversy that's my thing other people may not agree i do not clinical research is not the place for controversy as far as like those kinds of topics and prof unprofessional you know what i mean like like sometimes i'm i've seen someone speaking not very often at all and i'll it's a cringeworthy moment where you're just like why did you say that um i know it's all discretion interpretation perception i'm probably mm -hmm. too much on the side of not doing that but it served me well in my career have you ever been at a situation not specifics and not bad but been in a situation where you were watching people speaking a person speaking to an audience and it was important and they said something and you're just like you know better like, know. <laughs> without being too specific do you ever ha have a story like that and if not no problem but well i know that whenever i was with ibm we always had to to provide um results and and I the only time that I can think of right off bat is one of my leads was presenting one of the projects. And of course, we had targets on from a lean and six sigma perspective on how we were supposed to improve service level for the client and drive out cost at the same time. And, you know, and and um, he he was doing the blame game because he didn't meet his target. And I, I, you know, that is not what you do. You never do that. Be, taking accountability and and you can provide. We think this is what happened, but this is what we're doing and this is what we learned from it. And this is how we're moving forward. That's the approach you take. You can't 
not be accountable. You have to be 100% accountable. If you're standing on that stage, it is all on you. You have to take accountability for whatever is going on in that room, whether it, whether it's quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes for all of you guys that can't see this, but quote unquote, whether it is your fault or not, it doesn't matter. You're the one who's accountable whenever you're presenting and, and the way you present, even if it's a failure, you have to be very tactful about not blaming, but saying, here's the facts. This is what we found. We did not meet our target. We didn't meet our endpoint. We didn't meet our goal. We didn't meet our whatever. This is what we're, we're doing with that data. This is what we've learned for it. This is how we would keep it from happening in the future. And that to me is probably the biggest cringeworthy because, you know, me sitting in the office going, you know, because it's like, because, because it's an impact, not just on the individual that's speaking, but in a lot of cases, the entire program that you're representing. And I think that's where a lot of folks that are, are either presenting at the SIV or whatever, they don't understand. It's not about Angela presenting. It's about the company I'm representing, the project that I'm representing, the program and the calls that we're trying to serve. And you got to bundle all that together and realize I am 100 percent accountable for this message, period. Oh, you're absolutely right. And like I said, like, it's just so important to remember that professionalism, not mm -hmm. that you're a robot and we never have emotion or anything. But just did you like <laughs> my dance? No one can see that. I, that I, was I wish they could I was see that. Awesome in the 80s. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, um, most of the people on most of the new series are going to be like, what are they talking about? The 80s and the robot. Um, and just the, it's coming just, back around, Elizabeth, everything cycles <laughs> back around. It's all recycling. Um, and then just for me, like the finishing touches are, you know, smiling, making eye contact, like you said, walking around. Yeah. Not too much. It's a balance. Um, and just, you know. The little tricks we talked about this previously, if the speaker's feeling super nervous, take a minute, take a breath, emphasize certain words, practice, you know, um, know your pronunciations. But I think just if you are passionate or at least you can pretend to be passionate and interested about a topic, not like, oh, isn't it great to talk about the metrics of how quickly paint dries, but you can <laughs> communicate a message and it's performing to show that you're there's some positive element that comes through because people absolutely respond to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. paint, maybe paint drying is an interesting, but if you are painting your bedroom, you can think about how neat that was, the color and how fun and you, you can find something positive and interesting about anything. And people will know you're faking or not. And people will respond to authentic positivity. I absolutely agree. And Zig Ziglar used to say this all the time is people don't buy what you're selling. They buy you. And that is the reason why being genuinely interested in your in, in your your topic as well as your target audience, that connection goes a long way. It certainly does. And that's why I enjoy speaking with you guys so much, because. Not just because you're nice and this is not over compliments, but you guys are enthusiastic about what you do. We're all connected with clinical research so we can kind of mm -hmm. transfer that bridge and it's fun. Yeah, oh, it is. Well, it's so much fun speaking with you, Elizabeth, every time. Thank you so much for coming on and talking Welcome. with us today. 
You're yeah. welcome. So thank you, Angela, as well, both Angela and Elizabeth. Thanks to everybody out there listening. Uh, at CRE Resources, we understand you've got so many options when it comes to selecting which clinical recruiting company to partner with. We take pride in working with the highest quality CRAs and site managers, and we also only work with quality pharmas, biotechs, medical device companies, and CROs who recognize the importance and value of a CRA's role. So feel free to reach out at CRA Resources.com for more information about our firm. We can't wait to work with you.